Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the rookie camp roster has been released for the tournament here in Buffalo coming up this week. Plus, we're going to go back and review five of the last NHL drafts and the picks we would make if we were the Montreal Canadiens. All that and more inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 910 of Locked on Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast brought to you by the Locked on Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcast, whether that be Google, Apple, Spotify, or if you are watching our shining faces on YouTube.com. We have good news for you going into this episode. This is the last week of three shows a week. Starting next week, we will be back to five shows a week with Rookie Camp, and then regular NHL training camp right around the corner and into the preseason already. We are in the home stretch for actual non-hockey time. Of course, I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it's feeling like fall here in Buffalo. There's hockey around the corner. How are we feeling? Uh, it's honestly, the weather got a little cooler yesterday and I started feeling like, all right, we're going to get close to the season. Obviously we're talking about rookie camp. We're talking about, sorry, the rookie, uh, showcase. Uh, we're talking about, um, you know, as the season gets in, we still don't have any PTOs. I know there's a lot of like listeners that keep asking about PTOs, but that doesn't mean we're not going to see any because training camp is just around the corner. Yes, and I believe it was, what day did they announce this? This was announced on the 8th, which would have been Friday, like Friday afternoon. The Canadians announced their rookie camp roster here. And to kind of give you the show here a little bit, we're going to talk about this in depth a little bit and then go into our listener question for today because we got a lot to cover in these two little uh, segments here. The rookie camp roster was released. Not a ton of surprising names. I'm going to go through that real quick. On the list, Owen Beck, Jared Davidson, Isaac Dufour, who is a tryout, Sean Farrell, Cedric Indon, Emil Heineman, Riley Kidney, Riley McKay, Philip Mashar, Jan Mishak, Yakov Novak, who is on an AHL contract with the Rocket slash Lions, Joshua Waugh, Xavier Simino, Ty Smolanik, Florian Jekai for the forwards on defense, Stanislav Demin, who is a tryout coming out of the NCAA, uh, Noah Lawinen, who is on an AHL contract, Logan Mayu. Christopher Ortiz, who's on an AHL contract coming over from the Penguins organization. John Parker Jones, who's on an AHL contract. He was there last year. He was the gigantic dude. David Reinbacher, Jaden Struble, Miguel Torini, William Trudeau, and then Jakob Dobish, Quentin Miller, and Jan Spunar are the uh, goaltenders there. I got to say, out of because uh, I the Sabres announced that Devin Levi isn't even going to this tournament, even though he'd be a rookie there. This is probably one of the stronger groups there, and it's not, and it's still missing a lot of their European prospects. I got to say, I'm happy that the Canadians are bringing a strong group here because a good chunk of this is is going to make up the Rocket and potentially the Canadians in the next year to two years here. And I'm glad they're getting them all together now 
And that AHL group in particular is everyone except for probably Reinbacher will be playing with the Rocket at some point this year. I'm glad they're taking it seriously and not just taking a couple of guys and a bunch of tryouts and going, go to this tournament here. Um, I think for me, what the one thing that stands out really is that the quality of players that we have right now on the Montreal Canadiens, if you just look at the prospect pool from a couple of years ago, the quality seems to be so much better as a group, which makes me feel so happy because I think there was a point, uh, especially after a couple of, you know, um, not lean years, like even after, even after the, the Canadians went all the way to the Stanley cup, there was a strong sense of, can they be good in the future or is this like a flash in the pan? And I feel like every time the Canadians have made it far into the playoffs, whether they go to the conference final or not, it always feels like a flash in the pan. And I think like now it just, it does not feel that way anymore. Like you have a higher quality roster and you can kind of sense that the Canadians are going to do what it takes to develop these guys properly. And we're not even talking about the NCAA kids anymore, even. Yeah. And that's the thing is like missing from this group here. we talked about, you know, some of the uh the guys from Europe. I mean, Reinbacher is here, which isn't a surprising thing. In like a lot of you know, you're missing the guys who are playing in Russia. I know like Bogdan Kunieshkov and um and Oliver Kapanen. They're missing some of these guys from the KHL, the Bogdan Kunieshkovs, the uh, maybe not Dmitry Kostenko, but, you know, just other names in there. Oliver Kapanen, who's playing over in Finland right now. Uh, Philip Eriksson, who's playing in Sweden. There's names missing from that. And then Lane Hudson, Luke Tuck, guys that people want to see here. And even without that, they're bringing one of the deeper groups to this tournament. And I think that's a really strong point here. Like I said, I look at this defense here, and it's not just guys who are a long way off here. All these guys have a professional contract this year. Well, Stanislav Demen is the only one who does not, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up on the Lions for a little bit. He's coming from Merrimack College, which means Ken Hughes saw him. He plays in the NCAA. Kent Hughes has definitely seen him play a lot here. Everyone else here is signed to an entry-level deal or an HL contract. They're getting a real look at how they're doing, not just, oh, well, they played well you know, in four-on-four four at our development camp. These are guys who are going to play together at the AHL, ECHL level this year and potentially the NHL level. And I know Christopher Ortiz is someone that a lot of Habs fans liked a lot and Pittsburgh drafted him. He has the opportunity to be that kind of surprising presence in the AHL here. William Trudeau was that guy last year. He went from, well, he's going to camp there, but I'm paying attention to this defenseman or this defenseman. And then all of a sudden, William Trudeau was the guy in Laval. And that's kind of how it works. I'm interested to see Miguel Torini, who is all offense all the time. He is nothing but jumping up into the play here. And I, I can't wait to watch. I, I feel remiss that I haven't talked about it a lot. Is Sean Farrell is playing in this tournament. Sean Farrell is back again. I'm really excited to see him in person. Probably play, like jumping into the NHL last year was hard. I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, discuss Sean Farrell further in here. Like it's someone that obviously the NHL was not there for him last year. This team is not very good playing at the level. He's likely going to be, should be at this year. Probably should have been at the end of last year is going to be huge for him. Emil Heineman came in hot for rookie camp, came in hot when he came into the AHL. Can he continue that? 
can Philip Mashar find that next level? There's a lot of questions. And the thing is, we haven't even talked about the one name. There's a couple of other names on here I want to discuss coming up, but there's a big one in here that I think needs to uh, be addressed the most, and that's Ty Smolanek. And if you're wondering why the name sounds familiar, he was the one that Kent Hughes acquired in a trade that sent Ben Sherratt to the Florida Panthers for a first-round pick uh, two years ago. It He played a little bit this year at Wisconsin. There were uh, some injuries, and I believe it was a mental health thing. It looks like he's going to be turning pro. Laura and I are going to kind of jump in and discuss that all coming up in our next segment. But first, today's show is brought to you by the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. Football season has kicked off, and FanDuel is giving you the best chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on any super, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every single game that they win. And you can use those bonus bets on point spread, player props, over under, and more at FanDuel.com. And if you visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, you can start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. And of course, we here at Locked On Canadians encourage you to please gamble responsibly all the time. So we ended last segment uh, talking about how the, I guess, recently acquired, recently acquired, I guess, if we want to go with that, prospect Tyce Milanic was on the the roster for the rookie camp and the rookie showcase here, which was surprising to me at first because I know that he had missed most of last season dealing with various things. And then all of a sudden he's on this roster and it's like, oh, okay. Did he pay his own way to go to this? Because I believe that was the NCAA rule, even though they're kind of arbitrary and stupid and I don't ever really know. And it turns out, according to Marc-Antoine Godin, who uh, thankfully has found himself a new role, and I believe it was with Radio Canada, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, indicated it's French that CBC. <laughs> French CBC, okay, is that he is looking for a an a, a professional contract this year whether that be his entry-level deal or an ahl contract that is what he is playing for in this camp he is probably going to be one of the most motivated players here because he is playing for his future here and i believe the canadians hold his rights they didn't have to qualify him uh because he was still in the nca i might need to ask cap friendly about you know qualification whether he can sign an ahl or an echl contract with that but He's someone I'm fascinated to see because we talked to Russ Cohen of Lockdown Flyers and Elite Prospects about him, and he's a motor energy player. There's some skill there, a little bit of defense is lacking, but the effort's usually there for what he does. And I think that's a huge deal that he's someone I could see making if he comes in and he is suited to the pro game, not the NCAA game, based on the way that it goes. He could rise very quickly in the Canadian system. I'm fascinated to see what he can do in this because I believe he missed some of the other camps because he was injured and in the NCAA. And now he's here. Like he's someone that I have not had a chance to watch a lot of just due to injuries and not being at things. A lot of these other names I've gotten to watch at least pretty regularly, except for Ty Smolanik at camp here. I got to say maybe outside of Florian Jekai, who we'll get to in a second, he might be someone that I think is going to be playing with the biggest chip on their shoulder going into this, this showcase here. I'm excited because I think one of the other reasons that we never paid attention to him is that he was drafted by a totally different team, right? Like there would be no reason for us to scout him. And then when the reason came along, 
that's when he started, you know, not having being absent. Um, and like, I think for me, like, this is a sign that he's probably, you know, come back from that and he's ready to go. Um, and I honestly truly feel like out of all of the players, I don't know what he brings to all of the prospects. I don't know what he's going to bring to the Montreal Canadiens simply because I've not been able to watch him play. Um, and, you know, like the scouting reports on him are obviously scarce since the Canadians acquired him. Uh, and it's you kind of have to think about this, too, is that he was a quote unquote throw in. Nobody like it sounds not great, but like that's what he was. He was a throw in to a deal. The Florida Panthers really wanted Ben Chirot. And like he was like something that were like, you know, like he was the way to sweeten an already sweet pot. So I'm excited to see how he plays. I'm excited to see what his energy is like. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, like you just said, like there's some question marks on defense, but he's extremely, um, he's like uh, an extremely intense player, I would say, uh, yeah. in terms of like when, you know, in terms of the offense. So I'm excited to see what he could possibly bring. He was a third round pick for Florida. It was early in the third round, though. Uh, so I don't know like how high his ceiling is going to be, but at least we're going to get a chance to glimpse how he fits in with the rest of these prospects. Yeah, because like I look at his NCAA career, his first season at Quinnipiac, 21 points in 29 games. It's good. Next year, 23 points in 41 games, but he never really got the trust of his head coach at the time there. And he ended up transferring to Wisconsin, where he only had two points in 14 games last year and just was not effective. And he was obviously dealing with some other stuff behind the scenes, which is why he stepped away from that. But I, I look at elite prospects, their draft guy, they have a quote from here is, you know, complete talent can be relied on in all situations, anticipates passes and can cut them off using long reach in defensive zone battles. He uses his frame efficiently to outmuscle competition. And I know he's got some speed to him. He's someone that I think might be suited to the program that isn't as intensely structured. The NCA feels to be a little bit less free form and definitely not as free form as like the junior leagues where it's just shinny some nights there. I'm, he is someone that I'm completely fascinated to see. And then the other name on here, uh, Florian Jackeye, is which it, it's the chaos side of it for me that I'm looking at this and going, oh, this is going to be, it's going to be something here. Uh, I, I've seen some of his preseason highlights where he took a seat in the box for a blindside hit and then comes out of the box and scores a goal. And it's like, we are really doing the Jackeye brother redux here again, only this one plays forward. And my biggest thing is I'm like, okay, you've got the last name. You you have a bullseye just painted on your back right now. Like, I believe they're – I think they play the Senators in this tournament. I could be wrong here. And it's like, oh, they're – Oh, I can't wait for that. I can. I absolutely can. It was, <laughs> it was annoying enough last year to deal with everyone going, well, he's a bad guy and he hurt somebody. And it's like, okay – and then the biggest guy on your team challenged him and got sent into the shadow realm. And then you tried to fight him all season. And then you never did because Brady living in your head rent free. I was going to say it's he. Nope. That, that joke will stay in the back of my head. I will tell that one to you off the air, but I don't expect a ton from him. I expect if he can become Michael Pizzetta. Great. Uh, I know that's not an overly high bar, but I look at the style of play there. And the nose for the net, which is a thing, he's not going to be a superstar sniper like a Joshua Kolkoff. He's not going to be scoring from the dots. 
he's going to be scoring from three inches away from the goaltender the entire time. Uh, and then the other thing, the other name in here is that I know a lot of people are going to be interested to see because it's the big transition is what does Logan Mayu look like at the next level here? Someone that the biggest knock against him has never been their ability to score goals. He, we know he can shoot the puck and when they are on the power play, I assume they will have him being their power play, you know, uh, trigger guy there, like a Shea Weber. Can he adjust to that speed at the next level there? Has he worked on that hockey IQ? It's one of those things that I know people are going to be looking at. And then, of course, you have David Reinbacher. David Reinbacher is potentially one of the three smartest people on this Canadian's team here. Owen Beck's up there. Sean Farrell's up there. And I think that David Reinbacher forms a really smart, trio of guys and i think three players that could help run a really smart power play you have beck in the middle you have farrell off to the wings that is as a distributor and reinbacher is that and then you have someone like mashar heineman wah as your other trigger person and can make a lot out of this it's exciting because i can find a reason with pretty much everyone on here that i'm interested in watching them even if it's just i just want to know more and right. i think that's the best part about the offseason is there is more here um, do you have any parting thoughts before we move on, Laura? Uh, no, I honestly, I'm excited about this because it's actual hockey. It's been a long off season. It feels like a short off season, but it's been a long off season when it comes in terms of like trying to put together content. Um, and so I'm excited to just have stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's, I'm very excited just because it's like one, I get to watch Reinbacher in person, like getting to watch Slavkovsky in, per- in person last year helped me rationalize and see a little bit more what people were thinking when they picked him. Now I can see that more with David Reinbacher. We saw it a little bit at the prospects camp when he was paired with Lane Hudson, but okay. How does he look when he doesn't have the best defensive prospect the Canadians have had in a long time paired next to him? And maybe he's the next best defensive prospect. Anyways, I'm excited here. There's, there's, I have a reason to watch pretty much every single person playing in this. And I'm very excited that I can now based on my schedule, go to all three of these games now before I have to leave for work stuff on that. We're going to have plenty of content to go over with all of this. And I am so excited to touch on all that, but to wrap up the show, we got a really good listener question last week that uh, Laura sent to me for the weekend. We're going to be diving into the last five NHL drafts. And if there are picks that we would make that would be different, and we're going to get into all that and more coming up next. We are back here at Locked on Canadians, and we will be back with another episode on Wednesday morning. We are still three shows a week for this final week, and then we go back to five shows a week next week, the week uh, following the Rookie Showcase and everything else. So we will have plenty of training camp content and beyond. Laura, uh, we got a question. I don't know if you have it pulled up in front of you, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that. Uh, From a listener and I think I can bring it up in my email real quick. I have it. I, need. I have Perfect. it. Perfect. Um, so uh, Kyle R. asked us, if you could go back in time, five years max, keeping all the same draft spots we had, are there any changes you would like to make and why? So um, at the beginning of this episode, if you saw me like shuffling around, it was because I was pulling up on Elite Prospects. They have the list of every single draft. Um like literally every single draft. So if we want to go back five years, we're doing 2023, 2022, 2021, 2020, and uh, 2019. So I pulled them all up, Scott, and I am ready 
to have a huge argument. Um, I'm assuming we're probably going to have similar opinions, but I'm ready to like have, like I'm ready for like hot takes now. See, the wild part is here. My hot take is I have less than 10 picks that I would change because there are players at the time that I look at it and go, oh, well, you know, this is the name I liked, but they haven't even hit, you know, the professional or AHL level yet, you know, which again is hindsight. This is absolutely hindsight in here. And do we want to start with like the most recent year or go back furthest? Uh, Let's do most recent year so we can get it out of the way because we've talked about it already a lot. So the big one here is with David Reinbacher that you and I have both kind of, you know, we've rationalized why we like the David Reinbacher pick to ourselves here. But I still think Mishkov or Benson would have been the guy that I would have went for. I think Zach Benson, who I'm going to get to watch at this rookie showcase in Buffalo, is going to absolutely turn some heads. And I, I, I know I'm going to be sad a little bit on the inside watching this. But at the same time, I, I think I would, he would have been a great fit for the Canadians here. And I think that would have been my preferred pick at five, to be honest. I think so, too. Uh, I, I'm in full agreement for that one. And I actually had two more for this draft, and uh, one of them is Florian Jekai. I would have taken Alex Siernak, who was okay. another Slovak who had offensive upside on there. And then the Sam Harris pick, I would have picked Cam Allen, who was, and I think we had talked to, it was either Sebastian High or Tony Ferrari about them very early last year, going yes. into the start of the OHL season. They fell down into the sixth round for various reasons, and I go, probably would have been someone I would have happily taken a swing on at that point, to be honest. I actually was wondering about him because like when we first, when we initially talked uh, at the beginning of last year or before the season started, like it was very high. The, the, the uh, upside was very high. And for whatever reason, I like, he couldn't get it together, but um, I still would have wanted with a later round to select him. Uh, and I don't think this is going to be a hot take to anybody. I wouldn't change anything about the 2022 draft. They hit it out of the park with their first four picks that, and then even then getting Vincennes roars, getting Cedric Guindon, et cetera, I think are just really smart picks. They did a really good job here. And I think the overarching theme I want to reinforce here is that even with last year being, or this year's 2023 being a little uneven, they've done a really good job. I think, at getting value and quality in quantity with this is that they haven't had, you know, like six picks that they got to hit on like half of them. They've done a really good overarching thing on there. There's nothing I would change about the 2022 draft at this point, even if they only kept their first four picks in there. I'm happy with that because that's four really good players and likely four NHL players in there. Yeah. I'm in full agreement. Last year was a great year. Uh, 2021 and okay. I, I hate having to do this is that I wouldn't have picked Logan Mayu mostly because one, he said he didn't want to be picked and that right behind him there is Olin Zellweger and Logan Stankoven. Zellweger was one of the best defensemen in the WHL last year, a really, really solid all around defenseman. I'd say if you're looking for a comparable style potentially to David Reinbacher, I think that might be the closest to it, but he's he's a stunningly good player and he's in a duck system that is going to benefit from that. And then Logan Stankoven, you know, mentioned that he grew up a Habs fan, was excited about the prospect of that, absolutely lit the WHL up last year. And there are some 
size concerns with that, but I look at that and go, imagine having this offensive group, and then you're going to add Slavkovsky, Mashar, Beck, et cetera, next year, and then you already have Logan Stankoven in there. You've added just another – it adds – it boosts the profile of this of this group up another level there. As with all prospects, not perfect, but I think that Logan Stankoven would have been the guy would have went with just yeah. because that offensive upside is just too hard to ignore. And it's, and I think the 2021 draft they did pretty well with afterwards, but like, I really, really wanted Logan Stankoven, honestly. I think, yeah, like the general consensus at that point also, I feel was Stankoven, but uh, Zellweger to me was a bit more intriguing. Um, I think the Canadian shouldn't have done that just in terms of like, no team should have done that and have avoided like all of the fallout from that and allowed him one more year. Like, I mean, he's the one who said he didn't want to be drafted. Right. And, you know, like he said that for a reason. And like, if all of the teams had respected his wishes, he would have been able to, you know, do the work out of the spotlight for a year and come back the following year. Um, And obviously he would have been a quote unquote overager, but like for a reason, right. Like, and, and a lot of teams would have been able to see what he has. um, And maybe he would have, you know, he would have like things would have gone differently. Maybe the Canadians would have would have picked him anyway. You know, like we didn't. You know, it it doesn't. It, I like I don't think it would have changed too much if if one year, if he had been picked a year later. Like I just I think I would have just avoided all of the fallout. I would have I would have thought really long and hard about what I wanted to, what I wanted to do. And I like I think, like in my mind when we were like pulling that up, like he wasn't even a possibility because he had said he didn't want to be drafted. Right. Like when we were doing mock drafts and stuff like that, like, like people were picking other, other guys just simply because he wasn't on the list because he said that he wanted to remove himself from contention. And I think the other thing I would have changed here in the sixth round and in the four or fifth round, I think, or in the fifth round, they picked Daniil Sobolev, who is now playing back over in the Russian second league right now. Uh, just behind him was Dmitry Ryshevsky, who was picked by Winnipeg, and Ty Voigt, who was picked by uh, Toronto. Ty Voigt had 105 points last year, and Dmitry Ryshevsky was uh, just under a half point per game playing in the KHL. Uh, last year for the Windsor Spitfires, uh, Sobolev put up nine points in 48 games, and I just kind of look at that and go... I still don't know what they saw there, but I think I would have gone higher upside on that. Uh, going into 2020, a pick that you and I debated too, Caden Gooley was the pick for the Canadians here. Um, I I like Caden Gooley. I do. I probably, w- I still think I might have uh, gone for a Dawson Mercer in that sp- situation there, just because I think there's that, just a little more upside, the offensive upside there. Uh, and he's been very good with the Devils. There's no guarantee he would have been great with the Canadians, but I think that uh, Dawson Mercer is still the name I would have gone after there. I'm not unhappy with Caden Gooley, uh, to be very clear on that. I think Caden Gooley's great. Uh, it's just someone that I look at and I think to myself, I might have, you know, just gone this way here. Uh, and then the big one is uh, Devin Levi went in the seventh round to the Florida Panthers, which with the with the benefit of hindsight now, you know, okay, I'd probably take Devin Levi somewhere in there. But mm-hmm. that's that is me being Captain Hindsight in this right now. I'm looking at some of the others too, though, like like Luke Tuck and Jan Mishak, right? There, there are probably some other players that I would have replaced them with, and that's only because 
it's not worked out in their development as well as I would have hoped. And I think that's the hard part too, is that development is not a straight line. Like it's because I look at this here and they picked them back to back in the second round there. Um, they missed it's out hard. on Brock. Yeah. Like Brock Faber was a name that I really liked. Luke Evangelista was a name that I really liked. Uh, Thomas Bordalo, Marat Husnadinov, uh, JJ Paterka. These are all good names there. And like behind there, like I see some good names, but a lot, including Ty Smolanik, who we talked about earlier, but they haven't quite hit that next level too. So it's like they're right there. And obviously like that can change very quickly. Like one of these players could come in and all of a sudden just be boom, huge hit. And they haven't gotten that far yet or whatever it is. But I, I agree that like at the time, I think Meshack was the good one. And then Tuck was a little bit of a reach. And luckily they got both back to back there. But I do see some other names that maybe I would have changed it on. And going now into 2019, the funny part about the 2019 draft is the Canadians have the third overall pick uh, from there, the 15th overall pick and the 16th overall pick playing on their team right now, which is very funny to me because it's like, I don't think they really need to go redo the 2019 draft. I mean, maybe because um, they picked Jaden Struble 46th overall, and I'm looking at some of the names behind there. Nick Robertson, if he were healthy, maybe. Um, I don't see a lot of names that I'm like, yeah, I'd definitely do that, take that over Jaden Struble right now. Uh, Gianni Fairbrother right there, I would have taken maybe Pavel DeRofri over Graham Clark. Um but the big name in here, and I mean that quite literally, is Elmer Soderblom, who went way later in the draft here. Uh, he went in the sixth round. He's that big, gigantic dude playing for the Red Wings right now uh, who just tortured the Canadians last year. He's absolutely somebody I would have liked to bring in here. But outside of that, my overarching theme is I'm okay with a lot of the picks the Canadians made because it's a crapshoot. Sometimes it turns out great, and sometimes it – it just doesn't, you know, and yeah. that's how it works out. And you have to remember that, like, when we're talking about, like, what we, what would we change? It has to be players that were available after, right? Like, we can't change other teams' draft picks. We can't change the fact that this other team got this player that we wanted before the Canadians could pick. So that's where some of these decisions are making. Like, could we do it differently is only with players that were still available at that time. And I think, like, overall, I think I'm, like... It's not necessarily, oh, I'm happy with it or I'm not happy with it. In terms of like what was available at the time, I feel okay with the selections that the Canadians ended up making. Yeah, it's... Would, were there things that we would like to do different? Yeah, absolutely. There's no way around that. But for the most part, I think they did a pretty good job in here. Like, it's not perfect. No team drafts 100% of the time. Like, I'm okay with the things that they made here. And... Maybe, you know, in a couple of years we look at, oh, one of these guys from like the fifth round made it big. What are you going to do? It's the fifth round. It's not like it's the first round where we can point to now and be like, that guy's played, you know, 80 NHL games. It is kind of a crapshoot. And I think that outside of a few things, the Canadians did pretty well. They could have done a little bit better overall, but I'm not. It's not the end of the world here. Uh, that is going to wrap up our show today, though. Remember to follow us on Twitter, X, whatever, at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. 
We will be back with an episode for you on Wednesday morning, and we will see you all next time.